The Nick Abbott Habit. I record this podcast on Wednesday, so I'm assuming that the enormous rock hurtling through the inky void of space that has been given the inappropriately benign name of Florence didn't hit us between the time I say this and the Friday when it goes live. Why do they call such a thing with so much potential for disaster Florence? Florence is a cute name. Florence was the name of the little girl in the magic roundabout that used to hang out with a stoned rabbit and a talking dog and a weird old man on a spring who wanted to get her into bed. That's what children used to watch on TV with the full collusion of their parents, who should be prosecuted for corrupting the morals of minors. Florence is also a city of great beauty and artistic importance, which will be a smouldering pile of bricks and broken statues if the space rock called Florence hit it. So assuming that the giant asteroid that is heading right at us misses us completely, or strikes somewhere that no one will miss, like Southend, then there's something else I must assume that hasn't done for us. I'm assuming that World War III hasn't broken out, after I put this down on tape, which is a pretty big assumption to make these days. And it's all the fault of that stubby-fingered, shouty, fat tyrant. And Kim Jong-un isn't helping either. Seriously, if you saw a deranged person yelling at people on the street, would you just skirt by them like a normal human being? Or would you walk right up, go toe-to-toe and start yelling right back? Because that's what the President of the United States of America, Ancient Orange, is doing. And he's got little fat Kim all riled up. He isn't used to throwing out insanity and having it come back at him. It's like we're watching a game of crazy tennis. And now we've got caught up in it too, because Mrs M is desperate to ingratiate herself in Donnie's good books. And as usual, if America goes to war, we'll be right by his side, catching the flag and holding his hand in case of any scary ramps or steps. And because we've sided with the Americans, North Korea warned that us here in little old Britain that we face a miserable end if we join Donald Trump in menacing their country. But ha-ha, Kim Jong-un, charade you are, because we like miserable ends. All of our soap operas start with a miserable song and end miserably every week. And what's in between is just miserable people shouting at each other. We enjoy being steeped in misery. We actively seek out anguish and despair. Watching torment and grief is how we like to spend our spare time. Little fat Kim can blow it out of his hairdo. We can take all the woe we can stand. It's like catnip to us. Despondency's our default setting. He doesn't know this, of course. He imagines that threatening us with imminent doom will help to make our minds up about taking the side of the screaming Mimi in the White House. They're like two bullies in the playground that are goading each other to throw the first punch. Neither actually wants to fight, but they've got a crowd around them now, and the more they threaten, the harder it will be to back down without losing face. And unfortunately, that's where the rest of us come in. Because in a playground, only the two combatants might get hurt. With these two leaders of nations, the reverse is true. Everyone outside their nuclear bomb-proof shelters are going to be the ones that suffer. Kim will be fine in his underground lair. He'll have a lifetime supply of cake and a fluffy white cat to stroke. Donald Trump will have his bunker fully mirrored so that he might gaze upon his presidential magnificence and tell himself that he's doing a fantastic job. Everybody says so. And both leaders are in the uh, similar predicament. They're both desperately wanting to cling on to power, but are probably just smart enough to know that deep down they aren't very good at their jobs and that people don't like them much, which of course makes them cross.
Kim Jong-un is running a country full of people that may have some idea that the world outside North Korea is a better place. They probably imagine that those over the border are better fed and might have more in the way of amusements than watching Kim's relatives getting executed by being tied across the business end of a cannon. So by keeping his country on a permanent war footing and stoking the paranoia of everything foreign, Kim is maintaining his grip on power. And the people of North Korea believe everything their leader says because they don't get any outside sources of information. They don't get the news there. But even if his people don't get the news, Kim must have seen the statues of toppled despots like Saddam Insane being pulled down with the help of the USA, and he wants to avoid that at all costs. Kim needs to promote conflict with external enemies to stay in power. Unfortunately, so does Donald J. Trump. His approval ratings at home are lower than those for herpes. A good way to boost the numbers would be to have a nice little war to get the country and the media on side, even for a short while. And both sides are ratcheting up the tension because they both want to come off like tough guys. State media showed Lil Fat Kim standing next to a diagram of an intercontinental ballistic missile more powerful than any it has previously tested. Either they plan to bomb America with a diagram, or they want us to know that they have the ability to strike at any place on the American mainland assuming it doesn't veer off course and smash into Canada instead. And that would be pretty sad, as Canada is completely blameless and has nothing to apologise for, except Justin Bieber and Michael Bublé, of course. And I wasn't that keen on Leonard Cohen either. Cheer up, mate, it might never happen. Oh, no, that's right, it already is. So it's all kicking off, and just when it seemed to be getting better, things appear to be going in the right direction after Trump claimed that Kim was starting to respect him and that Trump respected anyone that respects him. So things looked positive for a brief moment, before the North Korean response to that, which was to say that Donald Trump was weird. Maybe they do get the news there after all. And North Korea has released a set of commemorative stamps to mark its successful test launch of a Hwasong intercontinental ballistic missile. We release a set of stamps to commemorate great sporting triumphs or mechanical achievements. They put out some to celebrate the ability to kill lots of foreigners. They were released just days after it fired that rocket over Japan. They were aiming at Guam. But that's so small, Kim probably couldn't hit it with a bat if he was sitting on it. North Korea launched two Hwasongs in July. And the commemorative stamp shows leader Kim Jong-un clapping, surrounded by cheering soldiers as the Hwasong launch took place. Look at his chubby little cheeks, he's so happy! At least they moved on from the Hwadong rocket, which is good because it would have been flat-out embarrassing to be annihilated by a big cylindrical tube called a dong. Another stamp shows a picture of a missile being launched against the backdrop of a world map because, you know, he plans to kill everyone. And there are English phrases written on the stamps, such as Demonstration of Strategic Nuclear Force of the Workers' Party of Korea. So they've been produced for us to read. Little do they know that because of our world-beating and highly expensive education system, we can't read in this country. So you can stick it up your jumper, Kim Jong-un. But even if we can't read, the message is coming through loud and clear that he is engaged in a battle with the great galumph in Washington to see who is the toughest doughy, podgy, soft-headed ruler on the planet. It's like a fight in a Weight Watchers meeting, but the consequences are much more serious than a little damage to the structure of the building. This is not good news. And there's a lot of that about. There's some things that you just don't want to hear. Like, 
the announcement of another television show based on making cakes. If you can believe it, the BBC is about to make another cake-baking show with a very important twist that it's going to be a family doing the cooking. That stroke of genius must be worth a licence fee all on its own. It starts imminently and will join the 86,000 other highly original programmes on TV that centre on the oven and what comes out of it. Another thing that you might prefer not to hear is that a weather event might deliver an alligator to your front door. That's what the residents of a Texas town were told before Hurricane Harvey hit them. The local sheriff's office announced the heavy flooding could force wild and dangerous animals to swim to where people live. Texans were warned that they could have an enormous, ravenous, prehistoric monster with a huge mouthful of teeth preventing them from leaving their house. Unfortunately, the same storm was likely to bring out highly deadly water moccasin snakes that could take shelter inside their house, which might make them want to leave in a hurry. Also on the list of things you'd rather not know is that there has been a mass delivery of anti-sarin and VX EpiPens to frontline emergency staff in Great Britain. Which brings us right back to Kim Jong-un. Sarin is a military-grade poison that attacks the body's nervous system and causes death in the manner of drowning on dry land within minutes of being exposed to it. So that's nice. VX, on the other hand, is just the same, except it's 150 times more toxic. The V stands for venom. And according to an alarming report, a nationwide programme is underway to provide hospitals and emergency responders and support staff with large stocks of nerve agent antidote kits in case of an attack by the Women's Institute. Or ISIS. Probably ISIS. Naturally, the government says there's nothing to worry about, which is reason enough to start worrying. Security chiefs declare that swivel-eyed Islamic fundamentalists will have no compunction about using such a weapon, and they are very keen to acquire some. And we all know who's got a lot of it. VX was the weapon that did for Kim Jong-un's half-brother in the airport in Kuala Lumpur in February. His half-brother is now more than half-dead. The stuff's classified as a weapon of mass destruction, and apparently the gas it gives off is even more poisonous than the liquid, making it very attractive to terrorists and the leader of North Korea. You might be wondering which pariah country could come up with such an evil product. Which disgraced nation could be so monstrous as to invent such a hideous and evil substance? Well, that was us, that was. It was invented in jolly old England. And now we're preparing for it coming back home. Back home to the 19th happiest place in the world, according to the World Happiness Report, which is an actual thing that I'm not making up. I think they last did one of these in 2015. Since when we have shot up in the charts from number 23 to the 19th most tickled place in the world. I don't know why we are feeling relatively chirpy now. Maybe it's because we've got our country back, whatever that means. Anyway, the top ten of the usual suspects, the tall blonde people, always so perfect. They're so pleased to be themselves, they can hardly stand it. Norway, Denmark, Iceland, Finland, the Netherlands, Sweden, all in the top ten. The top ten most ecstatically cheerful countries, probably because they get to have a lot of hot six-foot blonde sex with each other. Switzerland is in there too, because that's where the Nazis stashed all their gold and the Swiss don't have to give it back. And Australia and New Zealand make up the top ten because they're so far away from anywhere else that they've become adept at amusing themselves. Canada's in there as well, but who cares about Canada? No one, that's who. They can take their maple syrup and their Gordon Lightfoot music and f*** off. Of course, 
As soon as Donald Trump finds out there's a border that America shares with Canada, he'll want one of his big, beautiful walls up there as well. In the meantime, he now says he wants a see-through border. A see-through border wall between the US and Mexico, where the bad hombres are. You know, they're rapists and murderers, and some of them are nice people, I suppose. Except it's not going to be a wall if it's see-through, unless it's going to be made of glass or woven out of that golden candy floss foam that hovers above Trump's head. It's not a wall if you can see through it. That would be a fence that Mexico won't pay for. And he's getting four companies to build four prototypes for the wall, and they'll have anti-climb features to deter illegal immigrants from going over the wall. So I suppose they'll have to go round it or under it. I hope I'm not giving the rapists and the murderers any ideas when I say that. And it's all because Donnie mentioned the wall once on one of his comedy clan rallies, and he got a huge response, so he kept saying it, hoping the cheering would never stop. And now the American people are stuck with it, because to admit it's a stupid idea would be for the orange nightmare to appear stupid. And he is very smart, as he keeps telling us. Donald Trump's going to make the Americans spend $20 billion on a see-through wall spanning a 2,000-mile frontier, and he's threatened to shut down the government if they don't give him the money to do it, because Donnie wants a treat. He's been grumpy lately because the crowds at his Nazi rallies are thinning. I mean, nasty rallies, not Nazi rallies. That's something else. Although... But like most of what he tweets while sitting on the toilet staring at pictures of himself on the television, it's all just nonsense. Last year, there was another major study that said that immigration benefits America. The National Academy of Sciences issued a 509-page report that nobody read, which said that although first-generation immigrants cost the economy $57 billion, their children grow up to benefit the economy by $250 billion. But then that was the conclusion of the National Academy of Sciences, which has the word sciences in its title, so no one was interested. If it was the National Academy of What God Told Me, then everyone over there that voted for Donny would be all ears. Of course, in this country over the past year, it's been all about Brexit and how the negotiations are going. And I can tell you, the EU's said that we have smelly pants and we've said that the EU has smelly pants. And that's where we are after only three months of intense talks. And yet Britain's Brexit chief, David Davis, declared himself determinedly optimistic about Brexit. He said that as his opposite number in Brussels, Michel Barnier, announced that he was steadfastly despondent about the very same thing. And David Davis hopped off to America to address the US Chamber of Commerce. Presumably, he couldn't just send them an email. He had to get on a plane with all his entourage, sit in first class, no doubt, stay in the finest establishments known to man at vast expense to us, the taxpayer, to remind America that we still exist. There's good value for money. At least we don't waste cash like they do in the EU. He skipped out of the country after the third round of Brexit talks ended in deadlock because of the divorce bill. The EU is insisting that Britain agrees to pay the bill before they can move on to trade talks. They've been saying that since March. The British position has been to put its fingers in its ears and say, we're not listening. The Europeans are standing tough and the British are standing tough and they're all posturing for the cameras and it all seems like such a lot of pretense. We'll pay the bill. We'll carry on accepting their rules and regulations and we'll keep having those immigrants coming in because unless they keep coming over here and doing all the jobs we don't want to do, we're sunk. We will pay up because we really do need to keep trading with Europe as we do now. Because the banking racket will up sticks and swan off if we don't. 
because they will lose some money if they don't retain their ability to defraud people across borders without impediment. Banks hate losing money. And as our economy has become dependent on them, what they want is what they'll get. It all seems rather pointless. And when he got to Washington, David Davis said that Britain is determined to carry on playing a strong international role. After all, where would all those dictators and despots hide the money they stole from their people and buy the weapons to keep them in check if we turned our back on them? It's what we do for a living. It's too late to learn some new skills now. We might as well stick to what we're good at. The International Trade Secretary, Liam Fox, said Brussels must not be allowed to blackmail Britain by demanding the Brexit divorce bill is settled before trade talks can start. That word blackmail is a bit harsh. It would be appropriate if it were commonly used in a restaurant to refer to the amount that you have to pay before you're allowed to leave. But you don't ask the waiter for the blackmail, you ask for the bill. Michel Barnier revealed details of some of the projects that bill would help cover. It's stuff like money for foreign aid and green projects and refugee programmes, which all seems quite laudable. You know, the Prime Minister, Theresa May, is another one of those politicians that proclaims she is guided by her faith. So apparently we are refusing to help our European friends save the planet and give succour to the poor because that's what Jesus would do. And finally, new research has found using a sat-nav makes people more unaware of their surroundings and less likely to remember the journeys they take. In other words, your smartphone is making you stupid. People who used a traditional map in the new study were far more likely to recall landmarks along their route than those who made the same journey using a sat-nav. Researchers say sat-navs make people pay less attention to their surroundings because they remove the need for the brain to figure out where they are. It's the same thing with adding up. You used to go into a place called a grocer's, and a grocer would put everything in those brown bags that they would whiz round to tie the corners, and there'd be loads of them, potatoes, apples, oranges, bananas, and they'd add up the total in their heads while they were doing it. Or you'd go to a pub and order for a crowd of people, and the bar person would tot up the bill as they were pouring the drinks. These days, if you buy two pints, they have to go to the till to get it to add them up before they can tell you how much it is, even though they do the same thing all night long. Computers are turning our brains into fudge. A psychologist called Dr Dan said, a sat-nav means people don't need to pay attention to their environment, whereas people reading a map obviously need to know where they are so they can update their own position to know when to turn. A sat-nav does that for you. So when you use one, you become reliant on it, like a chick in the nest. We've got our mouths open, waiting for mummy to ram some directions down our throats. And it's not the first time a study has shown this. A previous study by the University College London involved researchers carrying out brain scans on participants as they attempted to navigate a virtual map. And those finding their way themselves showed spikes of brain activity, while those relying on a sat-nav showed no additional brain activity at all. And that's about the sum of it. Your phone's causing your brain to seize up. Get your face out of your phone, kids, and take those headphones off while you're at it. There's a multicoloured, high-definition world in surround sound out there. Try it. You might like it. Unless you're listening to this on your smartphone through your headphones, in which case carry on, because this is educational. You are much smarter now than you were when I started to speak about 20 minutes ago. You can feel it, can't you? You're welcome. For further instruction, don't fail to find my e-books on Amazon, the most recent of which can also be had in tree-killing paperback form. 
and has a picture of me on the front in very great danger from being eaten alive. And I will be teaching again on LBC Fridays and Saturdays from 10pm. And back here for another podcast on the 22nd of September. And until then, I appreciate your attention. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things!